You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Official 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew. Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. All right, welcome back. It is the unofficial 40 right here from Soonerscoop.com, where the entire crew awaits. And uh, West Virginia coming up this weekend is... Uh, Brent Venables said yesterday at the end of his press conference, what, like no West Virginia Not one question. question. He's a little perturbed at you guys. Not even a thought of a question. <laughs> it was, it was, that, I thought that was a pretty funny moment. Yeah, I, I laughed. I mean, like, it was a true LOL moment when he did that. So we will talk some West Virginia today. Neil Brown, their head coach, and he's been <laughs> under fire a little bit. I am uh, fired up today because the Holiday Bowls returned to Van's pig stand, um, and I had one last night, and I'll be having one tonight, and then I'll have one the next night. Hand up. <laughs> had no idea what you were talking about, but that makes more sense. I thought you were talking about, like, a 2006 Holiday Bowl replay because <laughs> you, you sent the message to the War Room last night, uh, and it was like, I was like, okay, I don't really know what he's talking and I, about. When I typed in Holiday Bowl, I did think like because they're they were both think capitalized. I'm talking about, I thought you were game, talking yeah. about the, the Great Holiday Bowl. Well, now Clint Ingram. Now oh, it's, isn't it just the, the Poinsettia Bowl now? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's the not yep. San Diego Credit Union. Poinsettia well, you've always bowl. said that was one of the worst bowl game experiences that you've that had. That was until I went to Orlando, right at the uh, Russell Athletic Bowl. Yes. But we're back in that mode. Yeah, Who knows what the, uh, the oh, Liberty Bowl might bring? Oh, you can't even get to the Cheese Bowl this year. That's why we have to. Uh, you got to put all of the uh, guaranteed right, guaranteed God. rate bowl, guaranteed right. Maybe I mean, a week at the Camelback. Goddamn thing can come out of this season. It could be that they're not qualified for the Cheese Bowl. That is true. Like because there's nothing Josh and I like more than spending exorbitant amount of monies money to uh, go cover a bowl game that no one gives a shit about oh it could be worse i mean you could have to maybe go like cover like the hawaii bowl on like christmas day yeah or whatever that whenever they play that god well bowl. it would be josh and i going to cover that you guys that's, would stay at home that's fine <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly that that's okay i mean you want to talk about tax write-offs <laughs> my god can we just, we need to take a poll of the board? Like, at what level of bowls do you not care about? And then we can just punt. And Bob and Eddie can spend time with their families on the holidays, and we don't have to spend an insane amount of money to cover a game no one cares well, about. We could be going to Fort uh, Fort Worth or but maybe Houston. We, I've I've or... already said multiple times if OU ends up in the first responders bowl, I will need a first responder because <laughs> I might be on strike. Playing just a bowl game at, at, at game. TCU Stadium <laughs> just, just for the second game. time this year. I would say, Leo, if they played in Houston, you could stay with Josh, but that would take you four hours to get to his house. And yeah, that's true. Yep, that's true. Yes. Texas I, I bowl. live in the greater Houston area, and it's still like an hour and a half from the stadium. So, you know. I'm just curious. Is your mic plugged in, Josh? 
Yeah. Okay. It should be. Uh, sound let's different? make sure. It doesn't sound like he's talking into a mic. Am so I too far there away? We go. There, there we go. There we go. Better. Okay. Okay. To, yep. to bring it to football, it's because you have TCU, Kent State, Texas, Baylor. That looks like one through four. However, that's going to shake, shake out. Then five through eight is some form of OU, OSU, Texas Tech. You know, and OSU's not done dropping. I mean, in Kansas, so you, you don't, you know, so that's what we're looking at. Is it Liberty Bowl? Is it somewhere in the state of Texas or guaranteed rate? Well, I'm first, ready. First, you got to win Saturday to get bowl. That's right. I, I'm ready to be positive. I mean, if they can, if they can find a way to uh, salvage this thing and get to eight and four. There will be, uh, you know, some positive momentum and something they haven't been able to do here over the uh, course of the first year in Brent Venables' era. You know, uh, I'm glad you found a way to finish that sentence. Uh, I, I I was thinking about this. You know, we did the the post game, the Eskridge Alexis post game podcast, and uh, it it was Josh joined us as well. And some people called it cathartic. I don't know. I mean, it was just we were very level headed. We weren't emotional about it. Nobody was calling for anyone's heads. Uh, although I did post a screen cap this week that might have got Josh in some trouble. I apologize on the pod for that. Um, <laughs> uh, we talk, you know, like, you know, we, we talk mature language uh, about people in, and now, and, and in our analysis. So uh, sometimes it's not for the world to see. Um, but no, I, I mean, I've just listened to everybody this week. I think the worst thing I did is just sat around on the message board all day, message board all day Sunday, just reading everyone's thoughts and, it just kind of depressed me for the first part of this week. But you sit here now and you walk away from it, and we talk about Brent Venable's press conference and nobody asked West Virginia questions. We continue to ask about the defense in a game that OU lost by three points. Like, is that progress or is it just that no matter what, if you lose, no one's going to be happy and everybody's going to pick everything apart? Can it be a little bit of both? I mean, it's it, just that it, there's pra- there's there's progress, but there's still so much horrible stuff on film. Yeah, the bad yep. is the bad is just so bad that it kind of sends you back into this spiral of okay, where are they getting better at? Like, what is a position a position Bingo. group that yes has improved? And you know, unfortunately, in the situation that they're in right now, it seems like there isn't a whole lot of improvement on the defensive side of the ball. In fact, they're they're worse statistically than they were a year ago. Uh, it just, I mean, I, I, and I think that there's also this almost added depressing point of view too, when you're just getting the ball ran down your throat, like if by someone named squirrel, right. If they were doing it, if you were doing it in a way in which you're giving up 450 through the air, it's like, well, you're not getting any pressure on the quarterback and it kind of leads into everything, but it's almost like a, uh, like a test of manhood. It's like they just yeah. don't have the guys that can be. And when they can't line up, like that was one of the big things that I asked Ted Roof about. It's just like, yeah, you're, the, you're off the Christmas card. For how Ted the Roof, hell? The how's that happen? Well, it, and here's the thing. Like Brent, I thought it was interesting the way he kind of put it. He's like, well, I'm not talking about getting more physical as a football team. I'm saying we weren't as physical as Baylor last week. Like he's not saying like there's something wrong in the program where we're not as physical. He's like, you got your asses kicked last week. You, they threw you around the field. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, it's not about, uh, you know, ability. It's just about, for him, he's saying, this is about your attitude. This is about your your manhood. See, the disappointing thing for me about Saturday is just that 
Iowa State was your get-right game, and now you were supposed to look like a different team, a better team for the final third of the season. And so when you put a defensive performance up like that against the Bears, now the final three games, like, you can't expect them to be much better because there's nothing to suggest that they've fully turned that corner, they fully grasped what Brent and the staff are trying to teach, and that now the light bulb's going to come, uh, come on. And we kind of talked about that, though. Like, okay, was what they did in the first half against Iowa State, giving up the 29 yards on the ground, is that more of Iowa State just being flat-out awful offensively, or is that actually a step? And, you know, I last Saturday it's, was— It's about Baylor's offensive line versus Iowa State's offensive line in that instance. Sure. Like and they're just not as good. No, and it, they just it it didn't it wasn't a step in the right direction. And you know I, but again you go back to even Saturday. There's moments where it's like okay this looks like something you can work with, and then they give up the fourth and one, and all of a sudden they're running for ten yards of carry. Because that's why they punted because the defense had stood up the right. Bears in the third in in the third quarter, so they felt confident. And if they would have pinned them back deep instead of it having to go for a touchback might be a different story and, but that's not how it worked out and it yeah. might it might be easy you know and, and brent said it on tuesday just as far as maybe it's just as simple as it is like every little small thing and they just add up over time like not being able to down the punt inside the one michael turk hitting it too far and them not even having the ability like as as great of an effort as that was for marvin mims yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I, I I take issue with the three interceptions before I'm bringing that up as you know the. Little well, he things. brought up the sure. kickoff, the opening kickoff. Yeah, yeah the after you go up seven to nothing. Yep, and then you let them get to the forty instead of like the fifteen or twenty. I'm curious, Josh. Like you, you know how you felt. We saw it on the boards this week. I mean, people pointing out things that Danny Stutzman have said, you know, in the past on you know Jeremiah and, and Braden's podcast, the podcast on the Prairie about kind of laughing off, you know, Brent being kind of psycho about, you know, every little step that he takes. Uh, and people on the board were like, well, maybe you should stop laughing it off because, I mean, you saw those plays that I that we were talking about. That's, mm-hmm. you know, when, when I accidentally screenshotted that stuff. Like, <laughs> the one play in the end zone where he just walks in, like, Stutzman, like, un- I-, I have no idea why he tried to take, Jared Canick's, you know, gap on that play. And then the Jets sweep the final nail in the coffin play. Like, he couldn't have looked more lost on that play. There there was stuff. I mean, like, the my problem with Danny Stutzman, there are moments he looks proficient. Yeah. He looks good. And then he'll have a play like those two uh, near the goal line. The, the touchdown when Baylor walks in, I think over the right guard, if I'm remembering yes, correctly. Yes. Or mm-hmm. it was, yeah. Right in his, and, right where he was that he vacated. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it was – he basically – Baylor showed him something to play before, and he goes and, – and he, he kind of does one thing because he's playing off of David Aguebu blitzing. And then the next play, Baylor basically shows it to him in reverse, if I'm remembering how this all played correctly. And he's like, oh, well, they did that. Okay, now this. And it just felt like a guy guessing. Like, just, you know, I'm not confident in what I'm seeing, but I just saw this. That's what I'm going to go do. And he just let Baylor walk into the end zone there. I mean, I just – and that's – guys, like, that's the thing. And I, I keep looking, you know, like Eddie said a second ago, like – 
I think all this is manageable for OU fans if they felt like they were seeing improvement. Like, okay, they're getting better at this. And there are very incremental things. Like, I, I'm not saying there's no improvement. I, I think that's wrong. But when you watch LSU from where they were in week one against Florida State and then at home, you know, beat Alabama, and I, I want to be quick to say, LSU has a different talent pool, especially at the positions where you have to. You know, yeah, they're starting a freshman at left tackle. He was a five-star. Like, yeah, they're they're they lost a five-star defensive lineman. They've got three or four guys in their front seven that are first, second-day picks. Like, they've got a whole bunch of ways to fix their problems, and that I, I get it. That's a, but at the same time, you've watched LSU get better week over week over week. Jaden Daniels is playing good football right now, and I. A month ago, that would have seemed impossible. So, I, I like I said, that that's kind of where I, I do. I, I to a point, I understand the frustration. I really do. At the same time, I think everybody's still trying to look at it through the lens of the preseason and after Nebraska and what the expectations had become, rather than like look at what this team is. Look where they are. There are fundamental problems that have nothing to do with coaching or anything like that. Like, there are guys that just still cannot line up. And I, guys, I mean, you, like, to me, that's a question of messaging. Like, there's no way Ted Roof has not told Danny Stutzman where to be. He knows where to be. Why is he not processing what he's being told? Like, that, that's yeah. where you get into the question for me. And then on top of that, I think the, you know, the general reaction to that is, is, well, if you're going to give these guys opportunities, why keep, giving the same guy opportunities over and over again if you know what you're getting which i understand yeah. is like they, but I think, those guys uh, yeah. are the best players they need those guys out there at some point the light has to come on you know what's really bizarre to me is i don't think us or fans or anyone that watches ou football has made the effort to break down what's going on defensively like they have this year like Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, like you—you you would watch Alex Grinch's defense, and you would see some stuff, and you're like, "Yeah, yeah, well." But like this year, for some reason, like every player is getting singled out for doing something wrong. Because you thought Brent was going to make them yeah. all better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But it's like, and so it's like, I think it's, it's just a natural question. Like, okay, I'm going to go rewatch this and see where it's going so bad, and uh, or you know, I I I can see this, and it doesn't look right. Like, there's some things that happen on the field where. It's the first time we've really paid attention to what it looks like when a when a team is learning a whole new defense for the first time. Yep. And, and guys, you know, and that, that's kind of the other thing. Like, you know, we talked about, um, you know, and I think I, I think I was talking about this maybe early season, preseason, where I was watching this video where Kirby Smart's talking about his defense at Georgia. And they're like, well, how do you do this? And he's like, well, okay. And then he starts watching a play. And he's like, well, okay, we didn't actually run this right, but this guy's so damn good, he just makes a play <laughs> that we weren't supposed to make. Like, and that's the deal. Like, that's the difference. Like, Oklahoma doesn't have the guys that can make up for the mistakes. Right. Like, okay, it's second and five. We blew that coverage, but it doesn't matter because our, you know, future first-round defensive end sacked the quarterback anyway. Like, they, they can't get away with their mistakes because their margin for error is too small. Well, it's it, like everybody saw everybody saw Canik and they're like, play him more, play him more, play him more. 
And then he plays more, and he makes all the same mistakes because he's young and he doesn't know the defense. It's like that would keep happening with every position because you don't have any experience, and Brent talked about that yesterday. Uh, And and it's just like – they're not. They don't have the depth to to just tell someone you're not getting it done. We have to replace you because that's as much as they're going to be able to get it done at that position. It's not a sexy thing to talk about either, but I, there is just in it's being kind of I guess highlighted even more this year is that there is a severe development problem and just an outright understanding of the game of football, like an IQ problem that I think Brent Venables was even. I think he's been kind of taken aback by just like how poorly coached these guys were. Yes. Right. Yeah. You'd have to be. Like it's like they are trying to do a college algebra class with a basic understanding of elementary math. Yeah. Well, guys, like you, you look at, I mean, and we knew it. Like Brent talked about it on Tuesday. The, you know, we're, we're just scratching the surface of what this playbook should be. And these guys are still struggling with it. You know, like we, we haven't even gotten into the depth yet and they're still having to learn it. And part of it is guys, there's nobody like Jaron Cannett can't watch David Aguebu do it the right way. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like I got it now. Right, like yeah. I see why we do this. Like there's no one to, te- you know, there's like no mentorship. It, there's no, there's yes. no helping somebody grow into the, position everybody's learning on the, years. on the yeah. fly. Like everybody else, like yeah. everybody's, yes, in square everybody's one. the same stage. Now, I will say, and based on what Kerry said earlier, that lends some credence to, like, if you're getting the same thing out of David Aguebu that you're getting out of Jaron Kanick, I know where my vote goes there. But, like, what, you know, like, I at the same time, I understand from a coaching perspective, you can't just say we're punting this season. Like, I, I get it. But I, from a, you know, we're trying to build to the future, I – I mean, to me, there's no question what you're doing there. Because, I mean, David Aguebu is making the same mistakes, and I thought he had one of his better games, honestly. Um, but is he bringing a lot more to the table that Jaron Kanick isn't? Or, like, when you're trying to run that spy stuff, Jaron Kanick could do that all day long against any quarterback in this league. You know, I heard uh, Teddy talking about, like, the Stutzman comments, mm-hmm. and you could tell that, like, it just – pissed him off royally it, interesting and it it's one of those things too and he kind of ta- started talking about like when he was a freshman and how he was learning from rocky calmus like right yeah literally learning from one of the best linebackers to ever do it and a lot of you know obviously teddy was extremely talented and would go on to win the buckus and you know fill that shoe but at the same time it's like everything that he got to where he got to was because he learned from one of the best to ever yeah. do it so it kind of goes to your point of like there is nobody there to really show them the way. Danny Stutzman doesn't have a guy that would have heard that comment that walked up to him and, and be like, "What? why the f*** are you saying things right. like that? Right. Like, like the, how, yeah, how dare you? And that goes into leadership. That goes into just kind of the whole equation of what they're trying to kind of instill within the defense right now. And it's obviously uh, not gone well. Um, I, I got to tell you, I... I we had uh, Chris and uh, Madison here this weekend. Uh, they came by. They came in from Arkansas. He said that he was a big fan of my my transitions into uh, Prime to, 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 to product. And I told him I was, I'm trying to make it more awkward, which I think I just did. Um, but there is a big occasion going on this weekend because OU's playing at West Virginia. Would you like to Would you like to take a guess what one of our uh, our partners is is offering this weekend? 
No. Free food. Is it like a couch? Free food for stops. <laughs> no, no. Burning like, dump. Hundred yard dumpster on fire. Allowance. Burning couches. No. <laughs> uh, it is back. Dead Soxy. They're excited to announce an incredible fall score. Uh, get into the sock game with a 2022 score sale. So here's how it works. At the conclusion of Saturday's game between OU and West Virginia, however many points the Sooners score, Dead Soxy will match that number as a percentage discount. And look, it's a pretty good deal. I mean, OU's likely to score some points. We don't know if they'll win because West Virginia's going to score some points too. But so let's say OU, they score 42 on West Virginia. So the promo code will activate for 42% off. If they get 50, no problem. It's 50 points off or 50% off. So the promo will start at 35%. So if the Sooners go and lay a stinker, you're still going to have a really good deal. So uh, regardless of the score, regardless of the outcome, you'll still get 35% off. Uh, and the, it'll cap at 60. So if they score more than 60, I mean, they can't Woo-hoo! lose money on this deal. Uh, the score sale will run from the conclusion of the game up until kickoff of Bedlam the following weekend. Uh, load up on your favorite socks and score this incredible offer. Visit deadsoxy.com. That's D-E-A-D-S-O-X-Y.com. Use the promo code SCOOP at checkout. It's the same promo code that you've always used. Use that at checkout. Receive the score sell percentage off of all your orders. And as always, stay soxy. So there you go. Well, let's talk about the offensive side of the ball. We've sure. talked a lot about the defense. It, you know, obviously, like, and I, we, it seems like we do this every week. It's like, well, if this wouldn't have gone wrong, this wouldn't have gone wrong, and this wouldn't have gone wrong, it would have been really, really good. But it's just, just like they can't how, get out of their yeah. own way. I just want to know how it would have gone without the three interceptions. Would they have won the game? Yes. If it was just one interception. I think so. They scored 10 points off of the turnovers. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and you're putting I the defense in. I think they win with only two interceptions. You, you're saying even if they had two interceptions, they still win. I, I think so. I, I really do. Like that, they just, like every time in the first half they'd start to gain control of that game, it was another pick. They you, just couldn't get out of their own way. You want a really hot take? I think they win the game without the face mask before halftime. The, the one that set I mean, the field goal Dylan back. Dylan Gabriel, he ran out of bounds at what, the seven yard line? On yeah. the on the on the play that Andrew yeah. Rain was called for the penalty, yeah, 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 he did. I mean, they would have been inside the ten with what? Well, Rain, well, thirty-ish seconds left. Rain was called for two penalties on that play. Well, either one. Okay. I mean, yeah. if, if you can get away <laughs> well, with that play without a penalty, without but, you know, a I, penalty, yeah. I do kind of take issue with that. Like, yes, he was holding, but he was holding because he was grabbing his face mask, or you know. <laughs> It should just all be. It's like just one. How many charges can, can we you go pile one, on, officer? Can we call twenty? Just give him twenty yards. No, but Guys, like it, it, they would have had first and goal, and who knows yeah. what happens there. But it's just one of the another one of those examples, and you saw it in the K State game as well with the pre snap penalties. If you can just eliminate some of this stuff, and maybe this is just what bad football teams do or mediocre football teams do, they give themselves like they're, you're always trying to get over that hump. Yep. And if they were able to do that. Like, the run game's really good right now. Eric Gray's incredible. 31 touches. Oof. I mean, the, the guy literally, like, the fourth and one that they weren't able to pick up, which, you know, again, I how that happens, I don't, I don't know. That was, wide, that, that was wide open for But it. it's just little things that if they can clean that up, it could be a really damn good offense. Like, as, as bad as Dylan Gay, and I say bad, like, you know, with air quotes, as bad as he's played – and as poor as he's played, as you know, in comparison to the quarterback play that everybody around here is used to, he's still like top twenty in the country in QBR right now. 
I mean, it, he's I playing saw, well enough. There was a there was a uh, trivia question that my guy Spinozzi had this morning. It was pretty good. It was he wanted to know the number of transfer quarterbacks that transferred before this season have more touchdowns than Dylan Gabriel. The number is five. Okay. But like Caleb Williams is first, and they're Bo all Nix. Bo Nix is up there. Um, there's one other big name. I can't remember who it is. And then there were two names that were like smaller school guys. Um, but I mean, he's done well. I mean, it's not like he's been trash and we know how valuable he is. Sure. Cause if you lose him, it's just like at Oklahoma state, you go, you go, you, you, your offense cannot function without him. Sure. But I mean, still he threw for 400 yards and had three turnovers, uh, one interception. And then he had, you know, what two eighty something was that? What he had last weekend? Yeah, he, he wasn't over three. He, yeah, he, but he, have, he was under three. He was good though. I mean, yeah. he threw the ball well, even though it was swirling winds. But you have three interceptions and you lose the game. I mean, that's just not Oklahoma quarterback standards. Fifteen to twenty six, one forty eight, one touchdown. That was all he had. Oh no! Excuse me. That's I was looking at Iowa State. That's, that's Iowa my State. fault. That's yeah. my fault. Yeah, he he was. I was looking at the uh, box score. From the Iowa State game earlier, I think it was like two fifty something. I don't know how that second one wasn't pass interference, but that's okay. Two sixty one, twenty two. Willis tipped up. Yeah, because he couldn't get a second yeah. arm on it. Twenty two of thirty four, two sixty one, yep. two touchdowns, three okay. interceptions, and seventy rushing yards. Nine, yeah, nine for seventy. <laughs> yeah, one yeah. touchdown, seven eight a carry, and like there was some stuff that I really liked, like the little. Uh, like quarterback called draw inside the uh, red zone, mm-hmm. perfect play call. Yeah, I mean they, they they've done some good things, and and because of him, they are they have won five games. I mean, we saw what happened when they don't have him. Yeah, and you know I Jeff Lebby talked about it on Monday, Bob. They have to get Javante Barnes back. I think that that's progressing in the right direction going into this weekend in Morgantown. Yeah, it didn't seem like it was worthwhile to ask Brent. For an update, because I think he would have just said it's too early to know. I thought Jeff's answer definitely alluded to it, though, saying we, you know, we're ready to have him back and feel that we're on the track to making that happen. And it's not a knock on Marcus Major at 100 percent, but Marcus Major not at 100 percent just isn't delivering the goods. There's he, no other way. And he's rusty. On he top had of it. he had one run. It was like it followed an Eric Gray 14-yarder. Then Marcus Major had a 15-yarder as well coming towards the north end zone. Yep. I think he probably scores on that earlier in the season when he's healthy. And right now, you know, I don't – People he, kind of forget, like, early in the season, before Eric Gray really got going, like, when Marcus Major would go out there, you'd be like, maybe he should run it more. Oh, I think we had a uh, an entire podcast dedicated to <laughs> let's get car- it, more carries for Marcus Major, it, right? Yes. Major is being worked on on the sideline a lot, like, after any sort of hit. So, he's just trying to gut his way through it, and they they need they need Barnes back. It's Man. weird that a freshman running back is that vital, but that's where we are. I was surprised, too, that they just didn't try to hit Marvin Mims as much. You know, when they hit him over the top there, uh, it's like, okay, finally, they found something. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't seem like they went back to it all day. But then again, I mean, they were moving the ball at times. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it wasn't a uh, just a show where they were going three and out every time. It, I mean, it's, you know, I I... I I'm not worried about the offense. I nope. think they'll do well against mm-hmm. West Virginia as well. 
Unless Dante I still think, destroys them all. I think that oh, they should have, you know, the next three weeks, they should have, like, all three of the games left, and especially with Spencer Sanders' situation in Stillwater, they're going to be able to move the football. Like, I yeah. think that they're going to be able to play well. I think that they're going to be in position to win all three of the games. It's just, I'll say what are this, you going to get on the other side? I mean, I think they're, assuming Spencer Sanders is done, and... I talked to somebody today. They were like, if he comes back, it'll be for, you know, try and play in Bedlam. Like, yeah. So, I like mean, a he, Mason Rudolph deal yeah. in 2015. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, he may not do much or it may not be effective, but, I, you know, I think it's one of those things that doesn't require surgery and if he can, you know, just make it through the pain. But let's say they don't have Spencer Sanders. I, I mean, I think Texas Tech might be the toughest game because. I watched them play TCU and their defense. They haven't given salty. up. They're four and five. Yeah. They're not giving up on anything. No, and it, like that's the one that's kind of scary, just in the fact that, and I know that's three weeks away, but I, I mean, whoever plays quarterback for Tech, they're going to be able to move the football. Like you're going to have to go down there and not have any mistakes. And with this offense, you just don't know if you can guarantee that, at least right now. Yeah, and I, I don't. They didn't have Morton against TCU, so I mean they're even a better team than they showed then. By the way, uh, it is one of my favorite. It, it, you know, I like the guy. In like last time at Big Twelve Media Days, he, he couldn't have been cooler. Uh, just talking to him on the side and stuff. But like, what is Gary Patterson thinking right now, heading into that game, knowing that that team never played that well for him? I think that somebody like a Gary Patterson would say that I know how to evaluate talent. And oh, yeah. I just couldn't. It's, it's almost like a little bit like the Mike Stoop stuff here at the end of his era. It's like he just couldn't reach him anymore. Yeah, he yeah. Lost, wasn't reaching them. Yet. He had lost something that they just had basically tuned out. So I, I don't know. I mean, it is going to be kind of interesting seeing those two teams go up against each other this weekend with Gary Patterson now in Austin, obviously, and TCU all their success in the top four. But I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying, like, oh, he knows he, – he must know something about, like, Max Duggan that's going to – like, is he going to say something to him <laughs> to, like, shake his confidence before the game starts or something? So, I, I mean, I don't know. Who, who do you guys think wins it? Big 12? Yeah. You think it's TCU going away? You want my hot take? That Adrian Martinez gets hit by a car and they start the right quarterback at Kansas State and they win it? I think Baylor might win it. I'm, I'm leaning toward Baylor. Is that I, is that I love is that, I love Jeff Grimes. Is that just a complete like overreaction of like I obviously wouldn't be saying that if OU would have won on Saturday. But it, if Baylor was really going to win it, they would have beat OU worse than 38-35. I'm sorry. That, that's my thing. That's fair. OU didn't even play. OU's <laughs> that's not fair. a great team. Didn't no, that's play fair. Well it's completely fair. And could have won that game late. I mean, it was all there to take. Yeah. Um. I think there's a – I mean, guys, Baylor closes with Kansas State, TCU, and Texas. Exactly. We're going to find out. Two, <laughs> I, I, there's a real chance they go 0-3. Like, the, they're – I think they're going to win this weekend. I think they beat K-State. I don't I mean, know. I think K-State's the second-best team in the conference. They're so beat up, though. They've got those offensive and defensive lines. Though. Like I, Kansas State kind of ran into what I think TCU's running into this weekend. Just as far as like you play with fire so many times, you're bound to get burned. And 
I, I don't know. Like, I, I guess my question would be is who wins in Austin this weekend, and then you'd go from there. If Texas wins, they could win the Big 12. I, Texas would probably Texas yeah. would probably be my choice right now. I don't think we could. I think really? I, to, I think I have to bleep all of this out. I don't think I can allow this on the pod. I mean, uh, it, it's the, who's more complete than they are right now. They're playing pretty well defensively. They have a solid ground game. They've got a quarterback that can make all the throws. They've got a guy fetch. We say I, that, I mean, and we I, were I, watching I'm, the I'm fourth quarter like, meltdown. You know, Saturday. Yeah, I thought I mean, Kansas State was going to win yeah. the game. Kansas State had a shot to win that game in the end. Like yours to me, like I was, I was higher on yours after the Alabama game and then the OU game, and I've kind of, I've kind of chilled on him a little bit. Like the Oklahoma the, State game, he was awful, and Kansas but, okay. State, they, they, he wasn't able to really pull away. I mean, their offense you, bogged down in the second half. You trust Adrian Martinez or Max Duggan to make? Better throws. Look, I, don't. I, I if you're if you're throwing a deep ball to Xavier Worthy, give me Quinn Ewers all day long. But yeah, but I mean, think of all the throws he missed at Oklahoma State, though. I mean, he sure. missed a lot of throws. And he missed some good ones. And he I'll say this: to me, it's not a, it's not quarterback versus quarterback because we all know Adrian Martinez is not a great thrower of the football. But what Kansas State does is they build is it's kind of like watching the Eagles. They build their offense around a quarterback that you know, has limitations. And they don't yep. put him in those situations. Like late in games, that was the pro- I mean that that was the problem with the Texas game. He fumbled it away. Like he he didn't it, Martinez fumble it away at the end? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Keandre Col- uh, Colburn. <laughs> I mean, like he's known for big game gaps late in games. Like Well, he tried to once. He got did. Away he with tried him, to and then did it again. <laughs> exactly. Since the end of the Red River showdown, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers is completing just 50.9% of his passes for 229 yards and six and a half per attempt. Yeah, wow. that's, that's bad. Wow. It, the yards per attempt is jar. Like, people, that's bad. Here's bad. the problem, Josh. You have the same problem that everybody else has is Texas almost beat Alabama, so you think they're better than they are. Where Tennessee beat Alabama, everybody thinks they're better than they are. LSU, everybody thinks they're better. Alabama is down. Like, the thing with Texas, they, they they're, score. They're still a top 15 team sure, by any yeah. measure. But Te- they're not Georgia. Texas no, limps to the finish is. line Georgia's this season. Wa- Georgia's walking to another title. Yeah. That's the that's the deal with Texas. They limp to the finish line. They were up 31-17 to Tech. 31-17 to Cowboys. They were up 34-20. Can't, like, they have a hard time getting to the end. Well, and, and you think about it. I mean, what's TCU been great at? Closing late, sure. like just finding mm-hmm. ways to win late in games. I mean, that's that's a really good point, Bob. And when you're nine games into this, it's not just a coincidence anymore. Like I know that we're talking about TCU, and you're just waiting for something bad to happen to them. But got to give them credit. Like they have found ways to win. And I think you know when you get this late in the season, it usually takes something for a team. You have to either have it or you don't to find a way in the fourth quarter to win games, and they've been able to do that so far. It's been a great I, I think TCU Texas Um <laughs> my yeah, we'll send this over to Orange Bloods. If TCU doesn't have Quint, Quentin Johnston at near full strength, I don't see how they win that. Point. Like I just he he is a difference maker that just not many teams of TCU's caliber have. Like they, he's he's a guy that should be. I mean, by any measure, be at the OU's, Texas's, Alabama's of the world. But the thing that uh, I'll end it here. But like the thing for TCU that impressed me is like DeAndre Miller as a closer as a running back. Like, he Mm -hmm. always seems to break off something big near the end to kind of put him over the top. So, anyway, uh, 
I tell you what, let's talk about uh, Louisiana because that's where shrimp come from, uh, especially prime shrimp. Tri- PrimeShrimp.com, P-R-I-M-E, uh, shrimp.com. There's no thaw, there's no mess, there's no fuss. A lot of great flavors. You got the signature season, French Quarter Alfredo, the garlic herb butter, uh, or you get the Louisiana shrimp boil and the new flavor, lemon and cracked pepper. So uh, go check them out. They've got uh, seasoned six packs. You can get variety six packs, sauce six packs. Uh, and if you use the promo code Sooner Scoop, you'll get $20 off your first order. Uh, that's primeshrimp.com. Great guys over there, but uh, got a lot of people on the website that have tried the shrimp, but not a bad word to say about it. Uh, so if you like some shrimp and you want an easy meal, maybe for some of you guys that, you know, uh, have to cook for yourself sometimes or the kids, uh, maybe they like the shrimp and you just want something easy to make and restaurant quality, primeshrimp.com is your home. Use that promo code. Uh, Sooner Scoop, get $20 off your first order. Before we get to all the uh, recruiting, obviously, with the uh, Colton Vasek stuff, I just to recap a little bit more on like what Brent was saying mm-hmm. yesterday, yeah. I it, it, it's fascinating to me just like the big picture questions. And, you know, I it's not something that I think Brent's very comfortable with. Yeah. Just as far as the doubt and the, you know, I... I I guess in a way, just not ever really have being in this spot, even for him, obviously not as a head coach, but just as a coach in general yeah. with a team that is struggling as much as they are. It, it's just kind of fascinating. in some of the stuff that he says, uh, when he talks about the inexperience, he talks about like winning just in general, like the stuff that he talked about with, uh, Hoove at the very end of the press conference, I found to be like, if they were nine and oh, well, they'd be fighting stuff. It's or... almost like he's saying like these guys, they obviously know how to win, but they don't know how to win at the level that we're trying to get to. And yeah, I, I mean, it, it, and you're right. It's like, like the process of winning, mm-hmm. like it, it's almost like I translate what he said. He's saying to, yeah, winning the Big Twelve is great, but you have no idea what it takes to get to the top. To beat Georgia, to, to beat be the a, yeah, like to, to win. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It, it, it's it's kind of fascinating to me, and then like when you step back from it, it's like, I don't know, like half of me wants to believe in what he's talking about and that everything's going to be okay. But I also see what's out there right now. And it just seems like it's so far from what they want to get to and the foundation that they're trying, like stuff with Danny Stutzman laughing about like being off an inch or a step. Yeah. It's like, if you don't understand that, you're never going to understand like the bigger picture Mm -hmm. of playing championship defense. Right. Well, and I think it's it's also one of those things like it's been a while since these guys have been in that spotlight. And whenever Oklahoma did get into the college football playoff, all these problems with the defense, they got exposed. Like, and these guys haven't even seen that happen. Like, I mean, they do during the regular season. But, like, the I guess the thing is the urgency. Like, the, there doesn't seem to, that they've shown much urgency. And that whether that's getting better or just getting stops during a game or – uh, it it, it kind of goes back to what we talked about last Sunday, Josh, too. Like, with, after they gave up that fourth and one, they just crumbled. And, and Eddie read, you know, the, the line uh, that Eric Bailey had tweeted. Like, it was just – is a team that has no backbone almost. I hate to say it that way, but it, it really feels that way at times. It I, Guys, I mean, because there's just – there's no denying that there'll be stretches where you're like, okay, this is this is functional football. They're playing pretty well. They're coming up with stops. And it won't be because, oh, Baylor stopped doing this or Iowa State changed that. Like, they're just playing sound football. 
And then the second something goes wrong, somebody is out of alignment, then all of a sudden for two or three plays, you can tell the whole defense is just, well, you know, it's like it's, it's, it's the fire drill. Like everybody just kind of running around doing whatever they're supposed to. And I mean, so much of it is motion related. When, when you throw motion at that defense, they get real out of whack real fast. And it's, I mean, I like, I, I get it, but like Brent talked about, I mean, you're just doing numbers like two by two, three by one. Like, what are we looking at here? Like that at this point in the year, that should be second nature. That should be manageable. Yeah. yeah yep. They should know how to do that. And I think, like I said, it's not what they're being taught. Now, again, I, you've got to figure out some way for your message to get across. Like that matters. If it's not hitting, figure out some other way to do it. Um, but again, this is the third straight defensive staff where we've been like, well, why can't they reach these guys? Like some, it's, it's like there's something in the water. It's just weird. Yeah, I mean, you know, my first thought when people say stuff like that is, well, why do you think these guys are here? They knew they didn't play defense when they committed. Like, yeah, they're just not really that interested in playing defense. They were the game changer. They're the one going to change it all. That's what they've been selling. I Here's my question, Josh. Like, we, we talked and we talked on Sunday about, like, who who's any good on this defense? And I get that. I've mm-hmm. got that question a lot this week. Like, who is who is moving forward can make this defense better? Like in this recruiting class, the 2023 class, like well, we'll talk about who's not here anymore, but like the guys that are committed that that we assume will make it, like who of those guys make an instant impact in your mind? Well, that that's the interesting rub. And I did want to say cuz you know, I think on on Sunday I listed, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy, or maybe it was in the board chat. I said something along the line of like five or six guys, and with that exception, there's nobody on that defense like you're afraid to lose. Like I, I don't know how many difference makers are there. I didn't include a lot of younger guys, and people are like, you don't think they're going to be good? I was just talking about guys that are that playing a real role yeah. right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and I even left out Jaron Kanick. Obviously, Jaron Kanick has to be part of your future plans. Um, but as far as the recruiting class, I mean – I think Lewis Carter is a guy that I think could come in and play a role early because you talk about the kind of guy he's going to tackle well. He's very physical. Like he does all the little stuff that Brent is going to love. Like he, he, and he is a, you know, when, when they lost Caleb Spencer, I know a lot of people got upset. I, I think Lewis Carter is an ideal guy for that cheater role. I think he makes a lot of sense. there. very smart, kind of savvy, almost like um, maybe a more explosive Deshaun White is a pretty good comp. there, kind of a, safety linebacker tweener that you know that wouldn't fit in some defenses but I think really makes a lot of sense here PJ Adabare I mean he he's the most talented guy in this mm-hmm. class I mean there, there's just no way around that um it's going to be about how quickly he can pick it up I, guys I think over the last four weeks and he his high school season ended last week I think over the last four weeks he had something like 17 tackles for loss and like nine sacks like he just went nuts against some of the best competition in his state so um, he he has that ability, and he's planning to come in at semester, so that'll help a ton. Um, Phil Pachotti is going to be an interesting guy to watch, just because he is he's a, again kind of a Brent linebacker. He gets it; he's real smart. Like I wonder if he's going to pick things up fast enough. And being at a place like IMG, he's played high quality competition. It's not going to be the jump for him that it is from some guy from you know rural Oklahoma or something. Like he he kind of has a better feel for it. Um, and then in the secondary, 
you know, Jacoby Johnson, Macari Vickers, Josiah Wagner, those are all guys that I, I – there's a world where that happens, like where it makes sense. Macari Vickers is a safety I think could come in and make an impact. Jacoby Johnson, I, he's so talented, you just can't write him off. But I think he needs time to learn. Um, and then Josiah Wagner, a tough little mix-it-up cornerback that wants to come and get in your face and play, you know, and is very physical and aggressive. Uh, guys, I mean, you know, that's kind of what I led into this whole comment saying, like, who on that defense should feel safe against any of these really talented young guys? Like, they'll come take your job if they come in and do it right. And there's several guys that are possible. Now, in a perfect world, that shouldn't be happening. But there's nobody on this defense that should have a job just handed to them next season. It does feel reassuring. Other than Billy Bowman. Yeah. Sure. It, and it does feel reassuring, I guess, in a way that, like, Brent Venables, and he talked about this on Tuesday, just as far as, like, what they're identifying in players, and especially when you're talking about physicality, it, you know, guys that want to go run to the fire. I don't think that Brent has just forgot how to – evaluate talent like they're he's gonna be able to get guys in here that he wants or that he can see fit in this defense well and he's seen guys that win national championships sure. and what that looks like sure. recently like to me josh i i see it kind of interesting because the type of player that brent is going to be recruiting like you might have had staffs in the past that were just like oh we see this guy's tape and he looks really good, and he's got he's got high. You know, all these other schools are after him. Like when Brent brings a kid in, I see it being a totally different thing. Where it's like you may think highly of this kid, and you see his tape, but you know Brent's putting that kid through his paces. He's he's teaching him, you know, how to play the position. Like while he's on his visit, like I could see Miguel Chavis, like you know, down on all fours, like in a hallway, just you know, showing guys stuff. Like they are going to attract guys that eat, breathe, and sleep uh, football. I mean, to me, more so than former staffs were. Well, and I think also, it's really funny you kind of bring this up, Kerry, is I was literally just talking to a recruit probably an hour ago. We're just kind of DMing back and forth. And he is a guy that, you know, and uh, I want to give a lot of credit, like Stoops Bros and Donnie Hazelwood and those guys on our board do a great job like tracking the follows, you know, like, okay, this coach is following this guy. And, yeah. and there are guys that I, you know, I'm kind of quick to respond to because I'm like, okay, that makes sense. I could see them going in that direction. And then there's guys that I'm a little more lukewarm about. And, you know, this is one of the guys I was like, I don't know if they're going to go down that road. And they had followed him in the last week or so. And so far there's been no contact. And he kind of, I, I was like, you know, have they reached out? Have they contacted you? He said, no, not yet. And I said, okay, that, that's kind of normal. I mean, there's some guys that are real fast, like Marcus Strong is a good example. Ashton Sanders is another. And then some guys, it seems like it takes a little longer to see if those are going to be real targets. And my, what I have gathered in talking to both the recruits and just some sources is that's when they really start digging in. Like, okay, we're talking to coaches. We're talking to, you know, area scouts. You know, like, you know, people from the region that are, you know, whether it's a ex-coach or just someone they know and they like and trust their opinion on, they start having these conversations. And then rather than like, well, hey, we're interested in you. We want to talk to you. And then they go dead silent a couple days later after they find something they don't like, they tend to be a little more patient and just kind of see – okay, this guy checks all the boxes, now we're ready to go. And I think that's kind of what you're seeing. And th and that's where you get guys, like you're talking about, Kerry, that fit what Brent is looking for. Like, this guy breathes football. Like, whatever else, you know, he he's not – 
He's not going to be worried about, you know, the, the, I don't know, the knitting team or like, you know, whatever you want to say. That was a very Bob Stoops kind of thing for me there, but just a, a generic kind of not real idea, you know, thing that would distract a football player. But like that is, you know, like they're, they're not going to have those guys. These are going to be guys that are like Brent that just chew up football tape and are into it. Cause Guys, I don't know about you, and you know, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. The thing that staggers me is how often we're hearing these guys on defense didn't watch anything they weren't mm-hmm. asked to watch. Correct. That blows me away that that was the, the standard of operation. And they definitely didn't watch any, like, Sunday. Yep, they just took Sundays off. I mean, Deshaun White was talking, what was it, two weeks ago about, like, that was the first time he had come, and I think Brent even said it yeah, two Brent, weeks ago. Brent mentioned that Deshaun White had he had now. never come in on Sunday yeah. to watch. It's like I, 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 I don't know how that well, happens. Sunday, like, like how this works is like you have to be given a mandatory day off, and that's Sunday. Right. The coaches can't be around. But they, they have right. all that stuff yeah. on an iPad. But the expectation is, yeah, you come in with your position group and you go over it as players. Without the coaches having to, to, you know, basically pester you uh, to do Correct. it. It's crazy to me. I mean, I'm I'm right there with you, Josh. But just it's to be clear, what you're saying is concerning. Like Deshaun White said that nobody was coming in on Sunday. He's like he basically said I had never done that before. I that just was never something that I did. Would come in and watch film on Sunday, and he said that he came in like during the bye week and started watching film of old cheetah guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan Carter Ryan and Carter, you know guys yeah. mm-hmm. Isaiah Simmons and guys at Clemson that is like I just don't understand and he he even said it's like it helped me it helped me and mm-hmm. obviously the way that he's he played here playing better, yeah. he's played better and you know I don't know if that's just one way that you know guys learn differently they're gonna they're gonna get comfortable differently but it's just wild to me that to actually hear them say that that's why the the personnel is gonna be so intriguing because what they only lose white and broils that's it like everyone else can come back so who's going to come back and who's going to get recruited over or played over i no no idea what defense is going to look like guys what is your feel my general feel on that and again you guys are closer to it so you know i i take more stock in what you've got to say but my general feel is like there's a lot of guys I think they believe are going to come back. Now, some of the bottom of the roster, the guys that aren't really playing, like I expect some churn there. But I don't get the feeling like that everybody's pissed off and is ready to get the hell out of town. I don't get that impression either. I, just, I don't know what – I'm just going to say I'm not dogging on it. I'm just saying Reg, like Reggie Grimes as an example. It would be his fourth mm-hmm. year in the program – what more do you think you can do with him? Or do you look at someone like a PJ to try to come in and see what he can do right, you know, right from the jump? Sure. Or, you know, like a, uh, I'm just trying to think of somebody that really hasn't, a Josh Eaton. Like what, what, who now has played four games. What so I'm very curious to see if he plays another game. Cause he was a red shirt for sure. And now he's played special teams in back to back games and he's reached his four, his, his four game limit. Yeah, I, there, there's a lot of those guys. Like a, uh, and it might be unfair because he's been injured, but like a uh, Shane Wider. What, what, what is his spot in the future of this defense? I, those yep. are the guys that are, you know, probably more interesting to me. But then again, you look back at, you know, when you're talking about maybe a Reggie, or you know, I'm not saying Bob that you're forecasting that by any means, but 
Like, they have to get better. Do you go to the – like, they're obviously going to have to go to the portal. They're going to have to get some guys, you know, whether that be the same ilk of a, a, a Jeffrey Johnson or whoever, but they have to get guys in there that are, you know, and not just warm bodies. They have to get guys in there that are going to be contributors. Yeah, I it, like. I, I think we feel like Grayson Halton could be somebody at the, you know in yep, the future, yeah. but they need guys next year. Well, I mean, the question that has to be answered is like, how hard you know do you go into the portal? I think you have to go very hard. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to get whatever you can get, and if that means you got to process some guys, you got to process some guys. You know, I, I think that and that's talks come up on the board. It's come up you know wherever when you're talking about OU defensively, like. How did they not go through, you know, the, the, the bowl season and get feedback and say, yeah, we got to go harder in the portal than they did last year. And, but then I mean, again, they, they brought pretty in hard. I mean, they went hard, but could they have Jeffrey gone Johnson harder? was going to be a great pickup and he Jonah just has La, not, Laulu was yeah, supposed to be sure. like on all that experience, all sure. that production. Mateers, you know, Batire, however you want to say his name. They've been disappointing. Yeah. I mean, they've been disappointing. The, no one that they brought in, I mean, uh, you know, Trey uh, Morrison. Morrison. I mean, he's had moments. Not done, had but some moments, it. but not. Done, I mean, that's not what you expect from a five-year guy. You don't mind have to say <laughs> C.J. Colden is the best defensive transfer. And he's really done nothing more than intercept two passes. Yeah, and he's just, I mean, kind of, sort of, towards the middle of the season, just finally gotten opportunities to get out there, and maybe that's been because other guys haven't played well enough. And then he had his panic moment against Baylor. Yeah, we talked about it on uh, Tuesday about. night. Yep. It was a good conversation with him. It, he was, you can tell that he's like, this guy's been through this before. He's not uh, deer in the headlights talking to the media. But I, I, I just think, unless you're talking about raiding teams where coaches get fired that you know, had good talent, like how much is going to be out there, especially on the defensive line? Like, well, I, and that's the problem. The that's always is, I mean, the problem. The portal is, defensive line portal. But the portal has settled down. It's not the wild, wild west anymore. I mean, with the new rules, you got the 30-day period and then the 15-day period. Or if your coach quits, then you can you know, have 30 days to, to enter the portal. Like, it's not the free-for-all it once was. And not everybody has, you know, if you're a it, – to me, it seems like it's going to have to be more eh, – I guess it doesn't have to be one way or the other, but will it be more young players? Will it be older players like that are, you know – um, you know, uh, graduates. I mean, yeah, that just goes back to the the thought that you have to develop guys. And with you know Todd Bates' track record, with Brent Venables' track record, I guess it's it's more hope than anything that they start developing guys at some point. Here's my question: the way things went last weekend and the way they'll finish out, like, would he go after a Clemson player that entered the portal? I. I, I wonder the same thing, Kerry. Like, is, is there a statute of limitations? Like, is it, you know, okay, now it's – because if a kid enters the portal, like, wh why wouldn't Brent recruit him? Like, I knew it's you. Not I've like, got a background with you. It's not like Brent had some grand scheme. He's like, I'm going to wait a year, and then I'm going <laughs> to yeah. steal all the players, and it'll look like At I never At some point, though, reality has to set in that I got to get this shit fixed or I'm not going to have a job. Like, and I, I think that's far down the road, obviously, but – you know, at some point, if, if, you know, if you limp into this and you, you know, say you go one and two to finish this thing and you're six and six all of a you sudden. Mean putting, you're, you're saying put, you got to put aside the. Yeah. Like you, know, you got to start looking Clemson out for yourself. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Th th this isn't show friends. Right. <laughs>
So anyway, but and it's hard to it's hard to project like who's going to be in, who's going to be out. Like obviously, it just it's hard to imagine a lot of early entries outside of like a Marvin Mims or a Eric Gray or something like I or and oh, Anton clearly. I could but, see, but here's the thing: like those transfers, like I can totally see those guys being those guys that like. Here's your problem if you're OU, like who's going to play in the bowl game if you go to a shitty bowl? Eric Gray's not going to want to play in a bowl game. Yeah, I the, I guess it's easy to say this right now, but I guess I would just fall back on the idea that it seems like this team, you know, all you hear is, and even talking to you know players and stuff, they like each other, they like yeah, being around each they other. Clearly do. Uh, you know, the five I, and four has a weight on them. I'm not reporting that Eric no, Gray's no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in the bowl game. Yeah, it just it like, hasn't even been. But achieved yet. You can say that they love playing around each other, but at some point you got to make a business decision. And I mean, is playing in the Liberty Bowl more important than trying to make money next year? But I mean, you know, I was right there with Isaiah when he was making his decision. Like, he didn't want to tell me because, like, we were still just launching like his merch and stuff. But like, it wasn't like a personal thing, and it wasn't like he sure. didn't like his teammates. And I think he, you know. He, I, he acted like he did. It didn't bother him at all, but I think it did. I mean, well, that might have been different too if if it wasn't the Lincoln thing. Yeah, if all of that shit wouldn't yeah. have happened. Mm-hmm. Like, That's true. That was, I guess, it was kind of unique in its own way, just as far as the way that that season ended and everybody being blindsided and everything that went back into that. Well, the fact that Caleb played in that bowl game, like Williams, like that was also kind of odd and strange. It's crazier, like the further away we get from it, it's like, why did he play? <laughs> <laughs> to get that NIL deal worked out. Sure. So, anyway, but no. Uh, Josh, we can move on to recruiting. I know there was a, a decommitment that you had prepared everybody for, and it wasn't like it was a big secret that was going out there. And I said it before we started. It's like the meltdown wasn't really a meltdown because I think everybody kind of knew. You had people who've been prepping for a month and then people were prepping for the last three, four days. I think he, ever since he took that Texas visit, I think everybody kind of was weekend. waiting for the yeah. sh- mm-hmm. other shoe to drop. The, the only thing that I kind of said, well, let's see if this can shift things is if he had made it to Norman last weekend. I thought, okay, mate, cause I mean, you just don't make that drive and that trip if you're not interested. But like I, my, feeling was like it got to be the time to do it or not do it and he was like I'm I'm not I'm not that interested and I thought his comments about you know watching um going to OU Texas and feeling like he was cheering for the wrong team was indicative and I know people say well yeah OU was losing you know by a bunch of I I man like I feel like fans should have even a better feel of this for this than we do like Imagine if you were committed to Texas, all our OU fans out there listening, and Texas has had the best of it for a long time, and you just thought, man, I've got to do what's best for my future, and I think that's going to Texas. And then all of a sudden, Oklahoma comes back, beats the brakes off of Texas, and you're thinking, I can go play for the school I dreamed of growing to, going to play for, the school my father played at, and you're, you can't relate to that. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, we were talking before, and I think his commitment was far more surprising than his decommitment. Um, now it's just about what Oklahoma can do to mitigate it. Can they go find a good replacement? And there's several options out there that are interesting. Um, 
some kind of off the radar, some that are well-known guys that I think Oklahoma's had a role with. And again, Tassilia Khan is still in play. So like, there's no reason people are kind of panicking and acting like, oh, it's the sky is falling. Like it can still be just as good, honestly, but you know, we'll have to see the dots kind of connect. Um, but it is, there's no question. I mean, Colton Vosick's a really good player, probably probably the best defensive lineman in the state of Texas. That would have been a huge win for Oklahoma. And I know people say, well, it's because oh, you lost. I, I think if Texas, even, let's say that game's 35-28, and OU's really competitive, and Dylan Gabriel's healthy, and yada, yada, go through the whole thing. And they're still pretty much where they are. You know, they're both still around 6-3, and 5-4, and four, just kind of mm-hmm. good, not, I mean, I guess above average college football teams like I still think he goes to Texas because the gap isn't there anymore like that clear Texas didn't go to a bowl game and OU you know went 11 and 2 last year so that's that's where you get into the trouble there I, I think he wanted to believe in Texas and they gave him just enough to do so yeah, I think it it goes back to what we've said before. Is like you thought you were committing to an OU team that's on the verge of a national title, and it's not. And so if that causes you to look else uh, elsewhere, that can't be frowned upon because you committed to something that hasn't been lived up on the uh, on the other side. So so if if you if OU Texas are equal, then he's going to Texas. Well, if that's how he sees it, then that's that's how it's going to play out. But if you think OU's better and you go to OU, but if you don't see that now, it makes a heck of a lot of sense that now he's going to go to the Horns. It's a lot easier to admit now, too. Like, when you look at all the guys that are on, you know, I mentioned it to you guys before we started as far as, like, just the list of names that are, you know, Austin Westlake. It's like, that's... That's it's kind a, of a Bryce Foster situation. Yeah, it's like again. it is Sorry, in Josh. a way. It Sorry, is Josh. in a way just as far as like, yeah, <laughs> should have seen that. And not that not that we didn't see it coming, but it's a lot easier now that it's all happened that you go, well, I mean, I don't even blame the kid. I don't I don't. There is no like ill will towards Colton Vassett because I think at the end of the day, no everybody kind of knew that it was going to happen. And, and because what happened like, to you. I'm we don't, soft. I've become soft. We don't have that in that in-state team. Like, Norman North's not going to have, like, 10 guys that go to OU. So we don't, can't fully understand what, what that's like to have just a mega, you know, recruiting ground like that right in your backyard. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. All right, uh, so outside of uh, Vosick, um, what was there? there was a guy that went to Ohio State that uh, had OU was that two weeks was that last week? Katie McDonald, yeah, yeah, that, McDonald. That, yeah we talked about that last last week. Okay, um, <laughs> that's not a lot. Another of good L news. on the uh, <laughs> defensive line. I know that's not going to be. Uh, All right, Josh, tell us Ashton Sanders and David Hicks are still coming next weekend, uh, please. Did we lose Josh? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so that's Damn it. I'm done. Himself. He muted I'm himself right again. Now. He muted Damn himself. It. 
It is I, a it's a touch thing. So yeah, you can't touch the microphone or you hit the mute. Bob learned that as well. well I think no, no, it, it it was entirely my choice. I was typing something. I was and again, I I was scarred early for how much trouble I got in for typing while talking. So I I've tried to do that, but sometimes I forget to unmute myself. But anyway, um. Yeah, my expectation is still that David Hicks and Ashton Sanders will both be in Norman for the Bedlam game. Uh, I think there will be some more visitors. Um, one of the guys, and I kind of referenced him earlier. I talked about him a little bit, a little bit more in length in uh, Woke for you know the few people out there that aren't already members. Um, the uh, you can find more there, but he uh, Taylor and I'm I think it's Wine W E I N. He's from Nolansville, Tennessee. Really interesting guy on tape. Like I watch that guy on tape and I see a Rivals 250 kid. Like, but his offers are like Austin P and the Mac and stuff. And I'm like, there's something I'm missing here, and I don't know what it is because he looks like, I mean, a top 40 player in Texas. Like on tape, I I, I don't I don't have an explanation for it yet. Uh, I've reached out to his coach. I've reached out to him. So I'm trying to dig up a little bit more. Um, you know, and like for them to be like, hey, why why do you not, you know, why do you suck more than I think you suck? Um, but, you know, so, so far, no answer on that question. Perfect but, phrasing, <laughs> yes. Yeah, no, exactly. It seems like a total winner. 65245 um, no, is what Rivals has him listed at. Yeah, he, uh, he is a really interesting dude. Um, really like what I see. And I, I just, you know, like I said, we're trying to figure out what's going on there. But. Uh, he's been followed by, you know, Brent Venables, Miguel Chavis, Todd Bates. I mean, like he's there, there is clear interest there that is, that is interesting. I have been told he will be there on an unofficial, uh, for Bedlam. I have not verified that with him again. So I want to be clear about where that, you know, that information is kind of at, but, um, I think he is incredibly interesting, and I know he's one of those guys. He's not even ranked on rivals, so people are going to see that. And if OU were to offer him, and he, you know, almost certainly would quickly commit, people are going to be like, "Oh, this is supposed to replace Colton Vosick." And I get why people would say no, but at the same time, I I cannot say it enough times. Todd Bates, Brent Venables, that staff at Clemson, for all the people that love to talk about the Christian Wilkins and some of those guys. There is not enough credit paid to the guys they found that nobody was that excited about. And they had a really good track record with those guys. So, and again, part of him not being ranked, I think it's just because he hasn't really been evaluated, probably didn't go to any camps. That will change over time. And especially if he were to pick up an Oklahoma offer, his he will find a ranking very quickly. Um, but those are the kind of guys. Like Oklahoma is kind of like what Brent talked about, I think, what was that, two weeks ago? Yeah. Uh, not not two weeks ago, but a couple weeks ago, uh, in that answer to Bob, where they're talking about finding you know new names and people that have been overlooked as senior years because people have already moved on to 2024. When I watch this kid's senior tape, I, I, I mean, if you if you showed me an offer list that had you know home you know home state Tennessee and you know some good SEC offers, I wouldn't be shocked at all. He's a good player. Um, so I, I I wonder how much OU is kind of doing their diligence and they can be patient because. Again, right now, his biggest offer is probably Troy. I mean, so it's not like OU's got to fight a big battle if they come in there as, you know, one of the program that they are. And with Brent Venables leading the way, like, they can offer him pro with his current offer, they probably offer him on December 15th and probably are still going to get him. So they can be patient. Um, but, you know, so there, there are – 
several options. Uh, another one is, and I'm going to blank on his last name. I believe it's Cameron Linhart. Uh, is his actual? I think I'm saying that right. Yeah, defensive end, IMG kid, uh, committed to Nebraska. He was a Scott Frost commitment, decommitted when they let go of Scott Frost. Um, and again, like I said, a four-star kid at IMG. Obviously, OU's got a lot of other guys that they're in on there, including you know former in-state guy David Stone. So there's a lot of ways that could help. I've gotten the impression there is some legitimate interest there, uh, probably from both parties. So we'll kind of see where that goes. Um, I kind of meant to mention him and Woke. This is something I kind of just left out by accident. So that'll be one to watch. But, yeah, there is uh, – Oklahoma has a lot of ways they can go, and I think – Unlike maybe at times, you know, the, the, their predecessor, this staff, there's reason to believe that they're finding guys that they believe can help them rather than just, you know, roster filler. It is playoff time now. High, in high school football, Eddie and myself, no, no playoff games. And we'll be in Pittsburgh getting ready for West Virginia. But Josh, uh, you got anything lined up for this weekend? Bob, that that is literally what I, I was telling you guys. I was typing earlier. I have been looking over the schedule because there, there's not that obvious game. Um, there's not, or at least it has. I haven't found it yet. Um, that just screams at me like, oh, okay, I got to be here. I got to be there. But yeah, I mean, I, I will most likely be in the Houston area on Thursday. Um, might go see Katie Paytow. Um, there are some. There's several different options. Um, but there is uh, like my initial plan had been to go see Austin Westlake and kind of catch up with Colton Vosick. <laughs> Not necessary. So, you know, kind of having to make some changes and move from there. But uh, definitely we'll be out this weekend, uh, go see several different schools and just kind of see, um, you know, where things are at with uh, with a couple of guys. Because I think now I can start pivoting a little more to 2024 like I'd like to go see Bryant Wesco at Midlothian, uh, the wide receiver that got offered during camp. Uh, I'd like to go see Decatur and see Nathaniel Palmer, the running back offer who happens to be cousins with Jeffrey Ellison. Uh, sorry, not Jeffrey Ellison, uh, Josh Ellison. So um, there are there are several good possibilities of just kind of figuring out where it's going to be. Well, we were talking about guys who might decommit. Colton was first. Anthony Evans is second. Any more concern now that Georgia did what it did against the Vols. Evans is a concern and Evans has gone pretty much radio silent to me this week. And that's not usually Anthony's method. So that, that is a, it may mean nothing, but it it's, it's not, I mean, my guess is that it doesn't like he's sitting over and it may be, I just want to take some time and think things over and go through it all. Like, you know, for Je Georgia to put that performance on, the home atmosphere being like it was, everybody could see it on television, how great that looked. And then OU to kind of, you know, lay an egg against Baylor and, you know, Dylan Gabriel have three interceptions. Like it's not exactly the, the comparison you wanted to have on that weekend. But at the same time, I know he's always stayed in good contact with LaDamian Washington. I know a lot of people felt like, Oh, that must've impacted things. I, I always got the impression from Anthony that, that he might have, like, I mean, not that he liked that things didn't go well for Kale Gundy, but that maybe he was a little closer to Washington. So um, I don't think that's inherently negative, as some people have perceived it. Um, but yeah, the, the, there's concern there. Now, what I, I realize all this is like, oh, you fans are just like chewing their nails and jumping off cliffs right now. 
talking to a few people. The rest of the class, I, I don't get any bad vibes from. I know there's a report out that Lewis Carter is going to visit Auburn. Uh, the uh, guy, again, I just mentioned a little while ago, my impression, uh, for those that don't know, Lewis Carter's head coach is Jarris McIntyre, played at Auburn with Cadillac Williams, um, who is you know the, obviously the interim coach at Auburn right now. I get the impression Lewis is just coming along. Like, I, I don't – again – it's it's kind of the same thing Anthony Evans said, so I get why people would be skeptical. I don't – Oklahoma's situation's not perfect right now. It's a damn sight better than what Auburn's doing. So I don't think he's going to go to Auburn and be like, wow, this is incredible. Like, there's plenty of problems Auburn has to deal with long before they're going to go steal a guy from Oklahoma. You know, it's kind of amazing that they're sitting here at 5-4. and four. If you would have told me they're going to go 5-4 and four in August and you're going to lose one – maybe two commits out of the whole thing. I think a lot of people would have signed up for that. Obviously it's not glamorous right now, but I mean, all things considered pretty damn good job that they've been able to hold this thing together as, as well as they have. And it, it's interesting because it's kind of a twofold thing for me on one side, you've got, again, what do we've got three or four guys committed now have taken visits. You know, you go all the way back to Ashton Cozart and some of that stuff. And it, I just feeds my, like, this is all for naught. Like, it's just, it doesn't provide anything. At the same time, you have to say, look at these guys that are going through this and the fans are ready to quit. And, you know, we've we've got people like, oh, I've got to cancel because I'm so upset. About, you know, like, you're, you have people not dealing well with this. And yet you've got these 17 and 18-year-old guys who are like, I'm good. I'm solid. I trust what they're doing. I know this is a process. Like, you know, saying and doing the right things. And you're just like, there's maybe, you know, maybe I have to look at it and say, Hey, there is something to all this. Like maybe this makes more sense than I'm giving it credit for because they wanted these guys to be sure. And the overwhelming majority are acting like confident guys in their decision. Everything's not just terrible. It's basketball time. (laughs) Just, it is uh, terrible. No, I, Real quick before gonna, we get to basketball, because that is terrible. This feels like my basketball time. I should talk basketball. <laughs> I'm going to say one. this, like, I feel Josh. Like this is my moment. I will give you every opportunity to veto basketball talk today. <laughs> if you want to do it, you can do it. They don't deserve to be talked about after losing. I'm sorry. Real, real quick before we do get to uh, the shit show that is. 6A1 playoffs. Bixby obviously losing last weekend was, uh, or last week was a surprise. You think uh, Bixby Union is still in play for a state championship game. I think, you know, that's probably what I would pick here in the state of Oklahoma. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Jinx obviously playing really well. That is, uh, guys, I mean, I, I, I can't decide if that gives every, like, okay, they're mortal. Like, they can be beaten. Or if you just pissed Bixby off. Like, I, I don't know... <laughs> where I come out on that, but it, it's, I mean, you know, and I, I think anybody that listens to this pod knows, uh, the guys at Jinx in particular, our guy, Adam Gaylor guy that we've known forever and always worked with, like happy for them. And I, the guys at Bixby, I, you know, Lauren Montgomery's always been awesome to me every time I've dealt with him. So kind of, but I mean, I, I thought it was great for Oklahoma high school football to have that huge national stage and put just an amazing game out there for everybody to watch. I mean, that was 
that that was ESPN's dream scenario. They got a couple of huge name national high school programs that just beat the crap out of each other for four quarters. It was really funny listening to the uh, commentators talk about this Jinx Bixby rivalry. <laughs> I know that I know that it pissed off a lot of people in Tulsa. It's like uh, uh, the other the other what? one's a little bit bigger between Jinx and Union, but you know, obviously Bixby's built into uh, you know a powerhouse. It's been pretty unbelievable. I'd probably still pick them to win the state championship. Although I do think that Union's extremely, extremely good. Uh, it, it to me, if Union like Union's the only team that I feel like could handle Bixby on their best night. Yeah, like that's that that that's the way. Because they have so many premier guys, like kind of like what we're talking about with OU, like they might do something wrong or Bixby gets them doing the, you know, gets them out of position, but a guy like Demarion Thomas makes a play or, you know, uh, Devin Robinson or, you know, any of their guys, like they've got some guys that can make up for mistakes. And I don't know. And again, Jinx, Jinx has beat them, beat them at home. Like I get it. Like total absolute respect to the Trojans that, you know, and we know this is their time of year, but man, like they're, they just, Jinx just amazes me with what they're doing. Cause I mean, they don't have the guys that I grew up watching Jinx have. Like it's just a bunch of really good high school football players. Uh, real quick, Demarion Thomas, is that somebody that OU, I mean, is he's committed to Vanderbilt. I, I, I thought he was pretty impressive when we saw him against Mustang yeah, a was. couple weeks ago. Yep. I, I don't know. Like as as much help as they need on the defensive line, is that just not an option? I have I actually talked to Demarion yesterday, and he told me he's had no contact with Oklahoma. So I and again, guys, we talked about it back during the camp, the camp and we've referenced yep. it a few times since. Mm-hmm. OU didn't seem interested when he was there. Like there there wasn't the like when Nigel Smith was there, they were engaged and they were watching him and they were at Williams Maneri, same deal, like very, you know, we're teaching you, we're working with you. And I just when when Demarion Thomas got it wasn't like oh you didn't like him it was just like they're not serious about him like yeah. they're they're just not and I know uh, another good one locally um, I know a lot of people are brought up by Job and I've talked to a few people that just I I don't think that's I I think he's pretty locked in with Michigan State and I know people would say oh that's it's crazy he's a Norman kid this is not a really. kid that grew up <laughs> knowing the difference between Michigan State and Oklahoma like to him they're just college football programs offering him an opportunity and he has a really good relationship with Michigan state and they always made him a priority and OU, you, uh, you know, in, in spite of some trying to act as otherwise kind of acted, you know, they, he was kind of a secondary guy for them. He just was. And I, I don't know if OU is going to go down that road, but I, if they did, I don't really expect it to take them very far. And in, in today's world of recruiting, it's like, I almost feel like, you know, good for him. Like, to see a kid stick with his commitment like that. Yep. Yep. That's, and I mean, he's, he's just, he's a good kid. Like, I don't know how anybody wouldn't root for by. He's a super nice kid that has an incredible story and has, has overcome a lot to, to get to where he is. What about the kid from Gore? The running back that has, you know, kind oh, of Grove just, or Grove, 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 Grove. Grove. Crawford. Uh, Crawford. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I was like, yeah. Daniel Crawford. Holy crap, it's not every day. Sorry. Eddie doing some scouting on us at Gore. No, I, I, I was not ready for that one, Eddie. Uh, yeah, 169 way up there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, 
there Grove, you know, again, that's a, I went up there two springs ago and saw Emmanuel Crawford, the, the running back you're talking about, and Carson Trimble, their quarterback. First of all, Grove has every chance to do something. I mean, that, that's a really talented backfield. I think Trimble's committed to UCO right now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, at quarterback. And Crawford, he's a guy, when I talk to people, um, and it was, and to be honest, most of my conversations were kind of before his senior year. Uh, there was a feeling that maybe uh, corner was where he belonged because um, he's he's very slight in frame. He's not a big kid. He's not real, but very explosive. Got tons of speed. Can run with anybody. And it was kind of feeling like maybe maybe you could turn him into a corner and, and he could be a you know like kind of a nickel slot type guy. And I think. He's had such a good year at running back. It's like, well, almost like this feeling of like, well, if we offer him at corner, somebody's going to offer him at running back and we're going to be wasting our time. But as time goes on, it's like, well, somebody's got to offer him one way or another. And so people, you know, to me, like the idea that Tulsa's not just beating down his door is insane to me. Like, but it's, it's more of, uh, you know, Tulsa's recruiting decisions in Oklahoma rarely make sense to me. Um, but he is absolutely a really good player and a guy that is a FBS dude. And I, you know, if he, he, he feels like the kind of guy that 15 years ago, Bill Snyder would have recruited to Kansas state. We would have forgotten about him for two years. And then all of a sudden he's, you know, I, I'm not going to say Darren Sproles, but like he's making all sorts of damaging plays in the run game for, uh, for K state. Could Crawford be a slot guy like a Chris Tyree, Relique Brown type from the last couple classes? I think he could be. Now, I won't say that I've I've seen a lot of his hands, um, but when I have seen him, like I said, I was up there for, for a full practice one morning uh, a couple springs ago and, uh, you know, seeing him in, in some limited stuff. on get, he, he catches the ball fine. I've never seen anything that would tell me that couldn't work. Um I don't know if he's elite at it, but I mean, just get him the damn ball and let him go make <laughs> plays because he's real freaking fast. So like, it's I don't know. There, there's he's one of those guys, and there's three or four in Oklahoma every year that just don't make sense to me. Like I'm like, what does this kid have to do to get some notoriety? Eric Fields from Ardmore got another offer yesterday. Our guy uh, Julian Wilson and Abilene Christian made him an offer. Uh, joined I think it was Arkansas State was his first offer. So. He's starting to finally get a little notoriety, and I'm guessing Crawford here before too long will pick up some offers along those lines. Gore is not where I thought it was. Is it is Gore's it Northwest? Isn't that out towards like uh By east? Isn't that, yeah, no, I'm not even I'm not yeah, I'm not it's, even close. Either way. Either way. <laughs> it's a little south it's a little southeast of Muskogee. Fort Gibson's okay. right above it. There's, I was going to put it close. Uh, Chicota, like Henrietta. when you pass Chicota, if you're going to Arkansas, uh, it's not. Fa- it's between Chicota and Vianne. but it's off the, the highway. Uh, fun note: there, the head man out there is the same guy who was uh, um, Ron L. Lewis's head coach. Oh, once, really? Once upon a time. Hmm. Uh-huh. Bead? Uh-huh. What's that? Josh, uh, Josh Bean. Yeah. Wait. No. God. I, it's it's no. It's Brandon Tyler. Brandon Tyler was at Vianne. I, for some reason, I crossed those two up in my head, and I and I I know both of them, and for some reason, I put them in different places. Uh, I believe Bean is still at Dewar, so I don't know why I I went there. So that fun fact is no longer <laughs> it's a no thing. No longer I fun. Just ignore that. 
We accept yeah. your retraction. I'm no, long, yeah. no longer fun nor <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It was all made up, but it, it, it shocked you for a minute, and you were excited about it. So you're welcome. Now, before we talk about the dreaded subject, uh, it is National Signing Day today. Um, I've seen Eddie. I've seen a lot of golf signings. Yeah. Some baseball here and there. Anything baseball of real going significance? Like crazy. Yeah. Uh, I know that they're pretty happy with the baseball class. Obviously, when you go to Omaha, things yeah. are going to be a little bit more enhanced than uh, maybe you thought it was going to be. But I think they have. They feel like they have a really good class coming in, and the golf class is extremely good. I mean, obviously, with what Ryan Hibble's been able to bring in, I think the uh, PJ Mayback kid is like the number seven player in the class right now. So he's really, really good. And the Ryder Cowan kid from Oklahoma uh, City from Edmond is extremely good as well. So they should be uh, – they just kind of add to uh, whatever they already have. I mean, it's already – Just keep bringing yeah, in the studs. It's kind of like softball right now. They're just going to bring in the best of the best. All right. Uh, and, Bob, National Signing Day for basketball. Your time has come. <laughs> Let's do this. Uh, I, I still don't believe OU has announced anything yet officially. There may have been something announced and then gotten rid of, like deleted from social media, I think. Yeah. Jacob Cole is, is in. There's no, like, worries about that. So I was very curious that they took it down just a couple minutes later. But the question now becomes, will Caden Cooper and or Sebastian Mack decide during this period? Alabama has already had four letters of intent put in. They have their press release out. Caden Cooper's leaning toward OU or Bama. So now you get people speculating. Does that mean Bama knows he's not going there, and is he going to be a Sooner? And And maybe that's why OU hasn't announced anything. They know there's one more coming. You start connecting dots like that. Exactly. The thing that I've heard about about, uh, Cooper from a couple people Tuesday, he's made his choice, but he told absolutely no one. Wow. So, so I, I don't I know. respect that. I don't know because, like, you haven't seen the crystal balls, haven't seen the forecast, like, nothing. I don't know if he's just going to pop up one minute on Twitter and say, all right, I, I signed with OU or I, I signed with Bama. So we're s- still sort of waiting, but all, you know, indications were he's an early period guy. He's going to make it during this little uh, window that they have at this moment. And it's. OU or Bama, I think oh, I thought Bama led going into the week, but I know OU was never, ever going to throw in the towel and trying to bring an Ada kid back home, even though he's in Atlanta at this moment at a, you know one of those basketball factory schools. He's originally from Ada, and they've really harped hard on bringing the hometown kid back home. Then you look at Mac. He's weird because I think OU thought they'd have him locked up the last couple months, and Florida State's still hanging around. UCLA's been making a late push. There's speculation he might not sign during this period. He might wait till the spring. That would I don't know if that would throw off OU's plans for him, if they would still recruit him as hard as they've been, but there's been nothing in the last week at all about what Mac is trying to do besides his final five that he released a couple of weeks ago. All right, let's get to it. Now on to the game. I mean, it's one of the more embarrassing losses in the history of Oklahoma basketball. Yes. I, there's just no other way to say it. It is. That quadrant won't change. It's a shitty quadrant win or loss. It should count as like seven quadrant <laughs> yeah. losses. A quadrant like, seven losses. Like a loss. little bit in one, a little bit in two, a little bit in three, a little bit in four. It, it, it just shocking. 
I mean, 51 the, points is just, it's awful. The, it's, the, the narrative, like I wrote, it kept changing. Like you go, there's like, okay, win in style, look good, play all 12 guys, see what you've got with, you know, Luke Northweather, Benny Schroeder, you know, guys that you're, I don't know how much run they're going to get as you get later into the season. And then it's 26, 19 and a half. Like, okay, you're not going to play those guys. Just win, you know, start building off your second half performance when you win by 15 to 20 points. Okay, now that that's not going to happen. Now it's just, just win. Just win. Let's get out of here. Let's go back to the film room Wednesday and be, be ready for Friday. And once Grant Sherfield started cramping, you're like, I don't even know if they're going to win because Lamar Wilkerson is playing out of his mind right now, hitting threes, and OU has no offensive answer. And just a, a rough lesson to learn in terms of your lineups, in terms of how athletic and downhill you want to play and not having the personnel out there that can do that for you. And just very uh, – we, we won't be here Friday, so we won't have a clue what that crowd's going to look like. But a gut check moment from a Pine Bluff team that took TCU to the wire as well on Monday. Joe Bamisil, 13 minutes. Puzzling. Very puzzling because so high on him throughout the transfer process. And when Porter Moser men- mentions, I want to play the veterans, this is, his, this is Bamisil's third team. It's not like he's going to be spooked by this this type of moment. And it's not like he played some lower-tier schools, Virginia Tech and George Washington. Like, he understands what you would have to do in the final three, four minutes of a really tight game. And I know you don't trust him as much on defense at this moment, but what he brings with his athletic ability on offense is something no one else on that roster can do. Very puzzling, and I'm glad Porter took some ownership. like, I've got to mix this lineup. I've got to find the guys that do what I'm saying I want to do because they weren't going out transition. They didn't even look like they were attempting to want to start to lead a fast break. And if that's who your your identity is trying to be, at least somewhat on offense side of the ball, you've got to have the guys on the court that can actually do that. How bad were Jalen Hill and C.J. Dolan? Weird, weird. You know, 0, uh, 0 for 12 between two of your starters and – Jalen Hill, just so many missed bunnies. And between Jalen Hill, Tanner Groves, those missed layups, you know, that's stuff that's going to haunt you for a long time. And, and you just always hear about Jalen Hill getting better and his shots getting better. Yeah, it's just supposed to be a breakout for him. Yes. I mean, the way he finished off last And the year. exhibition was a disaster. Like, that's all right, exhibition. But now the first game was a disaster, too. So he's, he's got to bounce uh, bounce back just like this entire team, and, and they have to try to figure out what happened on defense because they played defense really, really well for the first 33, 35 minutes, and then from 46, 34 on, it just all fell apart. Well, I'm sorry, but if you were hoping to break off and do your own basketball podcast this year, I don't <laughs> think we're going to get any sponsorships. I mean, that. they just got to be better. I you just can't, can't, can't be that bad. No, and – Luckily, they have a lot of chances in the non-con to get this one back, but also a lot of chances where it could really bury them too. Like if you can't beat a Vill- you know, Villanova or Arkansas or the Thanksgiving tournament that they've got coming up, if they can't make some impressive showing, they're not going to have a lot to sort of point toward with their resume and say, you know, we know we did, you know, we lost this, but we did this, this, and this after it. It's awesome. Do you think it's going to be? Obviously, they had a bad night offensively. Oh, you know that's obvious. Is it going to be that hard to score all year? You think? You know, exhibition. Like I don't want to hear the shit about like Sam Houston State just played good defense. Yeah, the, like they're Sam Houston State. Come on. 
exhibition was kind of that way too. So that's what's alarming. It absolutely is. And that is like, who are your shooters? Who are going to be those those guys that can light it, you know, light it up on any given night? Even, you know, Mo Gibson wasn't consistent in doing it, but those three or four times when he would hit six or seven threes, you just kind of breathe like, it's going to be okay. You know, is Grant Sherfield going to be that guy when he's going to have the ball in his hands like as much as he does? Is Joe Bamisil, can, is he an outside shooter or is he more of a slasher and, you know, some someone that you look in that regard? So shooting and helping the post, it's going to be very curious to sort of see how it all shakes, uh, shakes out. And if Tanner Groves needs a breather, which he's going to, is Sam Godwin actually going to be your answer? Though? Yeah, which is kind of scary when you think about like getting into Big 12 play. And, yep. You know, all these teams that are going to be in the Big 12, I think three in the top eight right now. It's, I mean, it's, they got, they got their work cut out for them. There's no doubt about that. I, and, you know, doing it like the, the last week and a half, two weeks couldn't have gone worse for Porter Moser just as far as like the weirdness with the Matt Brady stuff, which we still don't know a whole lot of information about. And Porter would not give us any. I know we right. we talked to him after we we did the the last pod. Porter was very I don't know, stern, I guess, or terse. Like it, it's not he was he's pissed off about yes. the situation. There there's no doubt about that. And when you add that into the way that they played on Monday, it's just like there's 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 only a you know one or two things that you just can't do as a college basketball program at a school, especially like Oklahoma. And that's have people talking about basketball in early November, like they are right now in a negative light, in a negative light. (laughs) Like it just, you can't go out and embarrass the university and you can't just be awful. Like I, I don't know. Rough. Rough. <laughs> rough, and I know ESPN Plus broadcast was rough too, and I, a lot of jokes. Well, I'm glad you didn't have to see it. Yeah, it's, it's it was just weird. I think having two basketball games in one day was more than ESPN Plus could handle. It was I watched it. It was just weird. Anyway, uh, I do have a, one one little interesting note uh, before we leave. Uh, you know, Kings of Leon's just finishing their tour over in Australia. Brady Manick. Uh, Yes. Did, did he tweet about that? Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah, Jared ran to, uh, to uh, Brady Mag. I woke up to that this morning. I was like, that's random. I didn't even know he was at Perth, in Perth, mm. playing for Perth or whatever. I Maybe. think he is, he's playing on the same team over there as uh, Tashawn Thomas, right? Yes. Oh, yep. he is. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, uh, anything else that we need to get out of there before we get – get uh, on our way i don't think so i mean you know wait what what was the relevance of that story were those basketball players do we are those guys that play basketball <laughs> sir you disrespect the name brady Manic. brady Manic around here man. problems <laughs> wow, he's really look, proud of himself look at the cackling. i know he's a villain unbelievable <laughs> it uh you know oh you need to go play well in morgantown i i think that atmosphere is gonna be dead yeah so if yeah. you come out early and if they Take play well early, we know this, they will leave. Like the people that show up, if their team is down, they will leave it. They're waiting to fire Neil Brown as fast as possible. And for whatever reason, JT Daniels did not, has not worked out. It's like 20 mil to get rid of Neil Brown, though, his buyout. It's crazy. All right, well, that's going to do it. Uh, Eddie, Bob, you'll hear from them next from West Virginia. Uh, is they're flying out Friday morning, and uh, it's going to be cold. It's so a bitter just, cold. It's going to be like 24 degrees, so prepare yourselves for it. 
and uh, we will have the post game show, the Eskridge Lexus post game show. Uh, SoonerScoopStore.com is open. We've got a uh, full selection of gear, hats. Uh, we, we still got some Isaiah Thomas hoodies, really cheap, uh, 10 bucks, five bucks for t-shirts. Still got some of those left. So, uh, stock up for winter as it's coming along. Uh, get yourself a new hat if you want as well. SoonerScoopStore.com. So thanks to everybody for listening. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the unofficial 40 podcast right here from SoonerScoop.com.